0: We want us to just usher God in, just sing it out with all that we have, with all that we are. That's our prayer, God, that you'll just fall into this place. God, that no heart here will not feel your presence, God. We know that you're here. We know that you're with us. Praise you for that, Jesus. pray with me? Heavenly Father, I do pray that uh, we would literally breathe you, live you, inhale your spirit, but not just to feel your presence or experience you, God, although that is uh, important, but you transform our lives from the inside out so that we could be light to a world in need. Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can have a seat, and uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 5. If you don't, we have Bibles uh, in the back on a table. You're free to uh, grab one, take one home with you, Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read verse 13 through 16, but uh, before we do that, today we start a series for the summer that we call Ask Anything." And we have taken uh, several of y'all's questions, and we'll, we'll still take questions too. But uh, we want to try to give you answers uh, from God's Word, looking for answers in God's Word, and wrestling with those answers through the summer. And y'all have given uh, us, me, some interesting questions. Uh, things like, uh, who really leads the church? Uh, you know, what about Jesus, this fully man, fully God thing? Uh, what about this thing called predestination? Do you believe in that? Uh, what about this deal that we call homosexuality? What does the Bible say about that? So, uh, it should be an interesting summer. And I uh, encourage you to be here and encourage you to keep uh, shooting us questions because there's a lot of the questions tied together, and we will address these questions. And I love uh, hearing what you think and what you want to know. Now, today's question, we start off, it's kind of general, but at the same time, there's really nothing more important in the life of our church. We're going to put the question up on screen. It is, what is discipleship, and how can we do it better as a church? So really, two questions. And I, you know, I could give a short answer saying, you know, discipleship is growing in Christ, and here's a program, and, and let's take an early lunch and try to get out of it. But I want to uh, go deeper and... It's such a big question, I want to take two Sundays to answer this question. Uh, And today is more like what is discipleship, but really today is what holds us back from growing in Christ. What holds us back? And then next week we will focus more on uh, how we can do it better as a church. But really, if we recognize what holds us back in growing as a church, uh, we can grow more and more uh, in Christ. Before I get to the passage, though, thinking about discipleship broadly as a church and not like a program, but I know some of you uh, work out a lot. Uh, I know we do have some runners here. Uh, I think we have some triathletes. Uh, We might have a few iron men, you know, God willing. But uh, those who uh, work out, you know, a lot of time we want to work out the whole body. I mean, we don't just... You know, and some of you may have seen this. If you go to the gym, you know, a dude who's just jacked up his shoulders and you know really skinny legs, and you know all they focus on is like chest and, and shoulders and all that. Uh, or a lot of runners uh, who just you know massive legs and, and fairly skinny you know all together. And you know all of us are, are really trying to be like a brother Teddy Dibiase. I saw him here at some point. You know, just the full you know the full body you know sculpted and everything. But uh, we got to work, you know, all, the, all the, the parts. And it's the same with a church. And here's what I'm talking about. You know, a lot of times we will do, uh, we'll do church like, hey, I love worship here or this worship. Or, hey, I love teaching here at this church. Or, hey, this church has great community and it really feels like a family. Uh, or, or I love the missions here and the focus on missions. And for a church, discipleship is building the whole body. And, you know, so... Something we try to do both as staff and hopefully lay leaders is continue to grow the whole body, and, and it's challenging. But from worship to teaching to community to missions uh, to groups to family to youth, you know, you want to work on the whole body. We don't want to just be a church with you know the jacked up shoulders or the massive legs, and you know we want to build the body. And that's what you know discipleship broadly is. Jesus calls the church the body, and so we are a body. We want to work on every aspect. But, but today, we're looking at this passage in Matthew where Jesus talks about salt and light. And honestly, I'm going to focus more on the salt today and the light next Sunday. But uh, if you're following with me, Matthew 5, start with verse 13, and it'll be up on the screen. And I'm going to read through verse 16. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, Now, this is actually in the Sermon on the Mount and right after the Beatitudes, which if, you're, if you've been with us over the last month, I finished a series on the Beatitudes. So this, Jesus is picking up in this sermon, and he's talking about salt of the earth to light of the world. Now, one thing I want you to know, that Jesus is preaching here to uh, everybody. And when I say everybody, it's not just the religious folks, like the Jewish people. It's also Gentiles, who would be non-Jewish, it's also women, it's also slaves. And some of you be like, "Well, well, what's the big deal in that? Yeah, he preaches to everybody. Well, you know, if you were a Jew or a religious person in that day, in Jesus' time, every time you'd go to worship at the synagogue, there was a standard prayer that you would pray, and it would be, thank you, God, for not making me a Gentile, a slave, or a woman, because they were all looked down upon. And here Jesus is saying, all of you can be salt and light to the world. And I say that because I want to say that too, no matter where you are in life, what you're going through, all of us, not my words, not another teacher's words, Jesus' words, that he calls us to be salt and light. But now let's get to what is a salt? Because uh, that would be a question I would have. You know, what, what's the salt deal? I mean, you know what salt is, but why does he use that metaphor? You know, I've, I've heard teachings on this passage before, and you probably have too, and it talks about the salt being several things, and which which mostly it's, it's it's pretty true. I mean, one is that salt preserves things, particularly in this time. So if we believe in Jesus, if we're Christians, we're to preserve the good things in society, in, in life, in our world. Another thing that salt does is it adds flavor. And so if We are Christians, then we should go out into the world and add flavor and life to a world that is dead, that may not recognize it, but that we're to go and add flavor to that world. Uh, Something else I've heard it taught on is, you know, salt makes you thirsty. And so if we're salt, then other people should see us and be drawn to us, but more so be drawn to Jesus and be thirsty for the living water that Jesus can bring. And I've even heard it where salt is white, that... You know, white means, you know, like purity or people think of it as purity and that we should be pure. So preserve and add flavor, give life, thirsty, you know, all those things. Now, I want to take a step back. I, I really believe what Jesus is saying here and studying this with salt is that salt is literally, we just saying about it, uh, inhaling, breathing the Holy Spirit, And allowing the Holy Spirit to come internally inside our hearts that we submit, and not everybody likes that word, submit to the Holy Spirit, obey the Holy Spirit, and from the inside out, the Holy Spirit transforms our heart so that we can be light to the world. Let me say this again because it's a key point. You know, I believe what Jesus is talking about here, the salt and light, is first it's an internal deal. That it's breathing, inhaling, the Holy Spirit, where He comes in and He changes our hearts, our lives, and we're transformed to be light to the world. And the reason I emphasize this point and the reason it's key for discipleship is because so many of us, me included, have a massive problem with this. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not talking about a belief in the Holy Spirit or lack of belief. I'm not talking about belief in a heart deal. I'm talking about a vivid, where you can see, and an active transformation of a life that's changed by the Holy Spirit. Here's what I mean. We are, I think, generally kind of as a church, capital C church, not just Bellwether, a lot of churches, but Christians in society, uh, we believe things, and then we don't live them out. We say, yeah, I mean, I believe in Jesus, I believe John three sixteen. I believe John fourteen six. But people don't see that in our lives. And we focus on the belief and the knowledge more than the action and the life. We become masters of information and we're not masters of life. Where we look no different from the world as it is. And I believe this is, and why I'm talking about this is that Jesus picks up on this in verse 13, but if salt has lost its taste, its saltiness, and many of us, myself included, lose our saltiness. You know, well, give me some examples. Some examples would be, hey, I, I believe what the Bible says about like money and materialism, but I want to live where I can live as pleasurably, not comfortably, pleasurably as possible, if that is even a word. Uh, another thing, hey, I know what the Bible uh, says about divorce, but, hey, I want a divorce, okay? Uh, hey, I know what Jesus says about uh, lust, and uh, you could tie that to porn and everything, but, uh, you know, we can talk about the affairs, and we could even go further. You know when, you know, the porn shoots out the roof in hotel rooms? When they have pastor's conferences. True fact, Okay? I don't go to many pastor's conferences. But anyway, that is when, that is when supposedly they have the most, you know, whatever, whatever they do. Okay, But I say all this because even as Christians, even as leaders in the church, we become masters of knowledge and information and belief, and the world does not see it in our actions. And I believe this is one of the reasons why, if you look at another study, uh, the church in general is not growing in North America. It's declining. Every other continent in the world, South America, Asia, Africa, even Europe, because now it's kind of like the mission field and they're trying to plant a lot of churches. The church is growing. North America is declining. And I think one of the big reasons is that because we have lost our saltiness. Uh, We believe. I know. But people don't see it in our lives. uh, From... How we look at money, or debt, or materialism, to marriage, to divorce, to raising our kids, uh, to things like lust, and porn, and those those things. We say one thing, we live another way. will give you an example in my own life. Uh, and I, this, is not a, this is not meant to be a disparaging or, or negative comment. I, it just kind of struck me. Actually, I think the guy's doing the right thing, but... You know, I was like, this that's just kind of indicative of what I wanted to say. Uh, I'm doing a marriage. I'm helping with a, a wedding in a couple months, and it's at another church. And uh, I got an email from one of the pastors saying, you know, man, we're excited about this, and it's going to be great. But, you know, here we, uh, we protect the pulpit, which I totally agree with, which we do as well here, as in, like, we try to make sure that those who are helping with uh, a ceremony, a worship ceremony, you know, Like, believes in Jesus. And I know, shocker. I mean, there are some preachers, pastors that, you know, would not believe that Jesus is who he says he is, son of God, little resurrection, all that. So he said, could you uh, give me your beliefs on the gospel so I can take it to our committee and all? It's like, man. send an email back, very respectful, saying, you know, I totally agree with what you're doing. Uh, Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, It's an example. We do the same here. Here are... uh, you know, basic beliefs, and I said, just for clarity, I'll be more specific than general. And I listed our basic beliefs uh, actually on our covenant, and I said, this is you know what I believe. And but I thought about it afterwards. You know, you know I could have put anything. Uh, I mean, and I could have put you know John three sixteen, John fourteen six, and you know could have gone to that committee and said, okay, the guy believes this. But and again, I applaud him what he's doing. But you know, a better. Thing to ask would maybe be to one of our staff here, or maybe one of you. Uh, how does your pastor live his life? Because uh, I, I mean, I could say all that, but then you know, I mean, he doesn't know how I live. I mean, I can just say it, and he can say anything, and well, he believes it. And I just thought about that how indicative it is indicative it is of our of our culture. That I want to know what you believe, but um, you know how do you live. I mean, we say it's a big deal, but. That's not the focus. It's what you believe. And anybody can roll off things. We want to see it in our our life. So I believe that we as Christians, we're very good at information, we're very good at belief, and we're failing in life. We're failing in life matters. We're failing with, you know, how do I deal with uh, struggles? How how do I deal with uh, divorce? How do I deal with sin and guilt that's been in my past? Uh, How do I start a new life how, how do i deal with money how the, the materialism around me is, is so bad how, how do i how do i face this as a christian how do i deal with this what is this new life we're failing at life we're losing our saltiness now then and this is discipleship and so how we got here i have some thoughts that i want to share with y'all and you know you may hit one of these thoughts there're five or you may hit all five but i think if you see kind of the, the challenges or the competition to growing in Christ, again, what's holding us back in growing in Christ, the better we can take a step to say, you're right, I don't want to live that way. I want to take a step to grow in Christ. So today, what I want to try to show you is kind of how we got here, how we got to a point of that we're masters of information and belief, and we're failing in life. Okay, So five things, and they're going to be up on screen, so they're points and I'd encourage you to write them down, think about them, and like, is this me uh, or all five me? And are these things that are holding me back from being salt to the earth and growing in Christ? Anyway, so first one would be uh, we value width over depth. i are going to be up on screen again. Width over depth. Now, I'm not talking about numbers here. That, that may be, if you're churchy, that may be what you think, you know. I'm talking more like we want a lot of information and we don't want to, like, focus on uh, fewer things and really try to obey them and really try to be accountable to them. And this can be Scripture, or this uh, could be knowledge in general. Honestly, I see this all the time, and this is a big fault of mine, too. First, I see it where, you know, people just want more and more information. And they want to know more about, like, say, theological issues and not just focus on being obedient to fewer things uh, in greater ways. I'll give you some examples. You know, know a guy, and he says, "Man, I just I love just wrestling with these big theological issues about like sovereignty of God. Like you know Romans eight twenty eight. You know like if all things work together for good. You know how does God work together for good in cancer? How does God work together for good? You know when when children have disabilities. You know how does God work in that? I love. And then this guy struggles. With just you know not getting drunk every weekend, you know, like wrestling with sovereignty, God is a lot easier than just being obedient. Hey, don't get drunk, you know. And that's what I want to say him. Like, how about just stop getting drunk? That'd be good. Be good. Or he's like, man, I just love the concept. You know, is it once saved always saved, or can you lose your salvation? Or hey, don't get drunk, you know. It's not that deep, but I think that's how we are. Like we love the big issues, and we love talking, and just being obedient on the little things and going deeper in fewer stuff. We, I'm at fault at this too, not the getting drunk part, okay? But I'm at fault at this in the sense of, like, I love to read a lot of books. And on my nightstand, I'll have like four or five. I like just flipping through them and, you know, not, I don't like just focusing on one book. Uh, it's the same thing on uh, a Bible reading plan. My wife and I were talking about this last night. A lot of us do these Bible reading plans where you can read, you know, certain parts of the Bible or all the Bible in a year. And I've got this Bible reading plan where I read four chapters a night or a morning. And my wife says, that's ah, too much. You know, I just want to read the chapter a day and really focus on it and memorize it. It's like, I can't do that. I need four chapters and, you know, I'm going through the Bible. But I thought about that and, you know, I'm not memorizing any scripture. And I'm not focusing on as much scripture. And I think that our problem is we value width, again, over depth, and that may be you too, but it's certainly something that I've been struggling with, and I think it hinders my own discipleship, and it's why I'm trying to memorize more scripture. Second thing, the disintegration of community. Uh, another book, I have not read this, uh, so I'm not recommending it, I just it struck me, the topic of the book, and it won like all these prizes, Pulitzer Prize last year. Is called I think the unraveling or the unwinding by a guy named George Packer, not a Christian book, but it's about America. And in it, he talks about the uh, fragmentation and the disintegration of community in our society. And he uses examples like uh, Rotary clubs. I don't know if some of y'all are Rotarians or like losing you know members out the wazoo. Kiwanis clubs. My dad was a Kiwanis member, losing members out the wazoo. And he makes this point, says, we are no longer a front porch culture. You know what a front porch culture is? You got the front porch, you know, you sit on it, community, neighborhoods. We're a back porch culture. And that we sit in the back and we're, we isolate ourselves. You know, it's kind of like, you know, draw the wagons around. You know, me, myself, and our family, we'll, we'll focus in, we'll hone in here. But we as a nation, and I believe this, we're no longer a front porch culture, we're a back porch culture. And you see this in the church, in that, you know, it's really all about, you know, me, myself, and I. And that's why we focus, and you will hear me, and I'll be a broken record, on community. It's important to build community. We've got to force community because, and and I also think, you know, with the YouTube and the Facebook and the Twitter and Instagram, you know, we can all, we can have our own deal, and it's given rise to this individualism. And I like to say it, it's a great movie, Almost Famous. I don't know if you've seen it or not, love the movie. But now we kind of live in an almost famous world where, you know, through these things like Facebook, like Twitter, uh, like YouTube can kind of be almost famous. And it just leads to, you know, the me, the individual and not the community. But if you're going to grow in Christ, if we're going to grow in Christ, you got to have authentic, real community. Why is that? Well, you need other people to mentor you, uh, to disciple you. You need people to encourage you. And you need people to, and this word sounds bad, so bear with me, rebuke you. Uh, Now, one, you need people to encourage you. Because all of us, you know, have the down moments. All of us have the bad weeks. All of us have things that are going on in our life. And you need somebody who will say, man, you know, I encourage you. I love you. I'm here for you. I support you. And really mean it, you know, I mean, not just, you know, not just blase or not, really, really mean it. And where you can believe it and you can rely on that person. And when you love them and you rely on them, then that person can call you out when you're going astray, when you err, or a biblical word, rebuke. Now, I don't know if some of y'all have been uh, rebuked before. Uh, I've been rebuked, and uh, it's not pleasant uh, because you have to look in the mirror and you have to see your sin or you see where you fail And generally, as broken human beings, we got two responses to a rebuke. And y'all may be tracking with both of them or one or the other. One is, you know, we just say, you're right, man. I mean, I just, I'm horrible, you know. It's just like, I'm just in the pit. I'm just, you know, it's bad. I'm bad. You know, I'm sin, you know, just horrible, blah, blah, blah. And that could be your response. The other one, and this is more mine, I listen. Somebody calls me out. I'm in air. That's interesting. Now, let me tell you something. Um, Because there are two or three things that I've noticed about you. And uh, you tracking with me? And since we're on that point, you know, I could bring up this or what you did in the past. Or, and this is really a third response, we don't say that, but in the back of our minds, like, you know, thank you, and we're gracious, we're civil. Can't wait till you slip up, buddy. I'll be right there, be right there waiting to pounce. Uh, we don't really receive rebuke well, but we need it because we all err, and we need some brothers and sisters to pull us back. And the only way you can really receive it, you know, and I and I've got some brothers here, uh, and I've got a wife here uh, who's pretty good at it too that I listen to. But people who really love you, like, you know, I want the best for you. I'm not here to put you down. I, this is not a competition here. I'm saying this in love, and you receive it in love. And unless you have real community, uh, you just, you're not going to have that. You're going to be isolated. Let me move on. Third one. Uh, and this, I've got to be careful with it because it sounds really bad. And, you know, me saying it sounds really bad, but bear with me. Lack of submission to uh, authority. Uh, and here's it, The second one ties into this, because if it's all about the me and the individual, then you're like, nobody's going to be over me. Or, you know, a Christian, you're, you know, we can claim, hey, I got Jesus over me, so I'm good. Thank you, you know, you know step aside. It's, we got our deal, so I got somebody over me. But we have this, uh, you know, this aversion to anybody having authority over us, and it plays into the church. And what happens is, you know, it's very rare now, uh, to really have people legitimately like joining churches, and I, I think you all know this instead, you have a lot of people just kind of sort of hanging out at a lot of them. you know I mean, there's, there's no like real commitment, because if you really commit, then you're like, man, I'm in. And uh, I'm in with your church government structure, from elders to staff to deacon. man I'm in. I'm into serving, I'm into accountability, I'm into being obedient. Uh, I'm in. That's rare. That is, that is a rare deal. And instead, it's kind of like, well, you know, which place kind of helps me feel the best about myself? And since a couple of them do, I can just generally float around. Uh, I kind of like the worship here and kind of like the teaching here, as we talked about before. Oh, this one does a good mission trip, so I'm going to see if they'll put me on that list. And oh, by the way, this one has a good group. Even though I'm not a member of the church, I mean, you know, it's a church. They can't say no, so I can hang out at this group even without kind of committing there. And so, you know, I really, it, it's really about the church of, of me. And you kind of pick and choose, and church becomes a buffet, which it was never meant to be biblically. And it's not like a lot of folks or a small number of folks saying, hey, I'm in this with one another, together, to grow, to support, to love. And I trust these leaders here to hold me accountable, to help guide me, to teach me, to call me out in love when I'm wrong. That's what the church is supposed to be. And we have this, again, it's a lack of submission to authority where instead it's like, you know, church becomes a buffet. Whatever place makes me you know, feel good and, um, you know, I can just do what I want. Go here, go here, go here, go here. And it holds us back from individual discipleship and it really greatly holds us back from broad discipleship in a church body. Fourth thing, and it ties to this one as well. And they all kind of tie together. We overemphasize the light. Here's what I mean. And, you know, Jesus talks about salt and light. And light is attractional. I mean, light attracts people. And so what I mean, what holds us back sometimes as a church, as Christians, is that we, and we can be at fault to this, we overemphasize the light. And what I'm talking about is do whatever we need to do to attract people here to fill the pews or the seats, you know, whatever you got. Fill the seats. And you go to church conferences, you can go to seminaries, certain seminaries, and they will say, man, you know, it's all about getting people in the door and do whatever it takes to, to get people in the door. So you got to have, you know, a rock-solid family, kid ministry. You got to have a happening uh, youth ministry and a really cool place where the youth can hang out and come and, you know, play Xbox, which we're doing, so, you know, you know guilty as charged on a couple fronts. Hey, you got to have some good lights. We've got some good lights. Hey, maybe even add some mist in. We had not done mist yet, but we might, you know, some mist or gaseous stuff, you know, coming in. And, uh, you know, attract folks and be light and, and get them in the, the seats and the pews. And don't do anything that might be, like, challenging to the people. Definitely, you know, I heard this. Said, don't, like, preach through Ezekiel for a year, which I have not done and I'm not planning to do, okay? But don't do anything like that. And, um, you know, don't, like, you know, emphasize, you know, accountability or, man, a covenant where people have to sign. Let, let's not, you know, go there at all. Whatever gets them in and just fill the seats. And, you know, churches... We overemphasize this, and it holds us back, and I want to be careful, because there's some good stuff, and we do a lot of this, and, and I believe in the attractional deal, so please hear me on that, but sometimes we can go too far, and, you know, we just, we're not going deep at all, and l- let, me, let me tell you two stories quickly about where this can lead. I mean, one, you know, it, it's just, a lot of times, it's just all, it's just all about the numbers, you know, I mean, I get this as preacher, you know, all the time, especially this year with the new building and moving in, how many you got, you know, all that stuff, and I was at a birthday party for uh, one of Jack's buddies, so I'm not going to name this person, but uh, he is a uh, pretty well-to-do businessman in town, goes to another church that is younger, like us, knows we got the building and everything, and you know, first thing he says, you know, they try to be diplomatic about it. But, you know, I mean, they're really like, you know, well, you're seeing like, you know, seeing a lot of traction, seeing a lot of new folks, you know, you know, how's the crowds been? I was like, you know, we get, I said, you know, we have getting a lot of new folks, a lot of new folks from the neighborhoods, you know, have had good crowds. We are, this is pre-summer and everything, but, you know, Great Easter and, you know, all this. But, I mean, I'm trying to answer the question honestly. I was like, you know, a lot of our older folks can be out of town. We get new folks coming in. I'm just trying to be honest. Then he said, you know, man, I really struggle with this, you know, as a, as a leader in, in blankety-blank church because, you know, I own this business and there are all these other businesses and they compete against me. And, oh, man, I think about it, you know, every, every day. Like, you know, what would get somebody to come to my business instead of, of these uh, other businesses? And he said, I, you know, I catch myself. I fall into this with church as well, you know. What would get somebody to come to my church, you know, versus these other churches? And I was like, you know, brother, man, you know, I've lived, you know, your world. Uh, God's given me a piece about this. And I told him, I said, you know, what I'd encourage you, you know, there's some great churches in our city, and there's definitely enough people where they can all flourish. And, you know, I've come to the piece where, you know, I mean, I'm going to preach and teach and lead, and I know and believe that God is going to send the people here to Bellwether that needs to be sent here, and we're going to try to minister to them and disciple them and love them and, and grow this community he said, I know, I know it's hard. And I was like, well, just pray, brother, because, I mean, just just keep praying. And just know, man, that there are enough that we can all flourish. And, you know, try not to think of your, your church, you know, in that light. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. Mean, y'all probably, I've talked to some of you, and you have the same conversation. Well, how many you got? Or, you know, what's... The... And often, you know, the problem is we want to attract people, but we're really, a lot of churches, and I've said this before, churches really reach about 10% of the population, Or try to reach 10%. You know, you may have heard it said, you know, they would be great at our church. You know, those who have gifts or who have means or who have uh, a certain status, they would be great. And we want to reach out to the 100%, you know, everybody, everybody. And I mean it, I mean it. And so I want to get that into our DNA, into our culture to grow that community around these neighborhoods and for this city. But it leads, when you're about the crowd and filling the seats, it leads to y'all coming in. It's like, well, how does this church, Bellwether otherwise, how does it serve me? You know, how is it serving me? You know, and it can be through ministry. It can be through little things, too. How did the worship service serve me? I'll give you one quick story. I had a guy, a brother, who uh, came here one time. I think it was his first time here. I knew him, and uh, was going out. He'd never been in the building, our new building before, and, you know, man, I mean, we're all excited about it, and somebody knew, and I always ask. I mean, I you know, sometimes stick my foot in my mouth, I mean, as y'all know. But I ask, you know, like, well, man, how, how'd you like the building? What do you think of it? And it's like, it's cold. It's cold. And, and hey, y'all, y'all may be thinking I'm freezing right now. You may be thinking I'm hot right now. We've had issues with A.C., getting it set. But, you know, leaving the service, first thing, it's cold. Okay. You know, I want to ask, are you lukewarm? You know, Revelation 3. But I don't say that. I don't go there am not going there, although thinking that. Forgive me, God. But, you know, and but it is the culture. It's not his fault. It's not the part, it, you know, it's that we're here to serve you. We'll make you comfortable and attract and overemphasize. And it holds us back from growing individually and as a church. Last thing, real quick. Fifth point. We are built on speed. I mean, as a what do you call it? Nation, culture, world. We want it. We want it now. Uh, I know that's how I am. I mean, traffic. Uh, you know, I want to get there. I mean, my wife makes fun of me because we go to New Albany. New Albany, population 8,000. There's this one intersection where if you hit it, man, it is like, you know, seven-minute wait. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm just struggling, you know. and You know, seven minutes. I can't, you know, get to my parents. The metropolis of New Albany. So, you know, you go downtown to Jackson or you go to a bigger city, man, you know, traffic. Or go out to eat. This is the classic, you know, go out to eat at the, you know, the best restaurant, or whatever that is in your mind, I can name a few, 7 o'clock. And you're like, man, what? I, I, I don't get a table You know now? I mean, 30-minute wait, 40-minute wait? Let's go elsewhere. Like, that's going to solve the problem. I mean, we want it. We want it now. And we're, we're just built on speed. And discipleship, growing in Christ, it, it's a crawl. It's slow going. slow going individually. It's slow going for a church. Real growth fruitfulness. It takes time. It takes these things. So I say this because how many of us have quit too soon? Let's say it's a group. I don't know, men's group. You know, our men's group meets here 6 30 through the summer or another group at a house. And you're like, you know, I mean, I will commit to going to a group. Um, You know, we just read scripture and pray together and nothing too exciting and share. And two months later, man, I ain't doing it for me. I mean, I'd much rather. I mean, not that we have a group meeting tonight. It's having summer breaks. You know, you could say, well, that's pretty attractional there, too. Well, anyway, so we, we err on that. But, you know, we got baseball games to watch tonight. I'm bailing on this. It's slow going. Or a church. You know, I mean, I two months. You know, I ain't getting much, you know. I mean, nothing. They don't have mist. You know, it's, it is hot in there. Um, you know, I'll check another one. It's slow going. And our DNA or our culture or both are built on speed. We give up way, way too soon. So I'm going to close right now. And those are five things, again, they hold us back. And I hope you recognize some things that hold us back in growing individually and together. And I want to close not with some answers but some questions. Because if you answer the questions truthfully, they will be the answers to how you can grow and how we can do discipleship better as a church. I want you to listen to these questions. I'd love for you to write them down. I'd love you to think about them. Most of all, I'd love you to respond. I mean, truly respond. Where has God called me or you, and I have said no or I've refused? Where is it? Where have I not been obedient to the Lord? Where is God calling me to serve? If I've been coming to Bellwether Church, and this is specific for maybe a few or some of you, and I've been coming for a while and I feel led here, what is holding me up from committing or joining? What is it? What is it? What have I given up on way too soon? Is it a relationship? Is it a group? Is it a church? What is the Holy Spirit telling me to do? Where is the Holy Spirit calling me to step out and take a risk? I believe if you answer those questions truthfully and respond, you will grow in Christ. Maybe do that together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Spirit. Thank you for your Spirit's work. Uh, I pray that we as a uh, as a church family, as a a gathering, because not everybody here is is part of this family uh, yet, although you may be leading them here, and as individuals could really see the things that hold us back uh, and make some changes by the power of your Spirit and say, I want to live in a a different way. I really want to grow in Christ. Uh, I want to take the risk of being in a relationship. I want to be in community. I want to have people who can rebuke me in love you know, give us that courage uh, and let us know uh, your power and your peace in your church, in a community, and that you really just want to grow us, and you, then you want to grow us together. But it is slow, and it takes patience. So it's a fruit of the Spirit. Give us your patience by the power of Christ. Amen.